Here we go. You are listening to Rumination Tuesday on this April the 13th in the year of our Lord, 2021. And it's the occasion when we take a look at the hymn selected for the coming Sunday, the second Sunday after Easter. And it's entitled, With High Delight, Let Us Unite. It's written by George Vetter, V-E-T-T-E-R. I did not know much about him, but found out he was born in 1536, died in 1599, born in Moravia. And he actually did this hymn one year before he was ordained a priest of the Bohemian Brethren in 1567. He really did translate a number of hymns, but he also translated John Calvin's Institutes, which advanced the Brethren's later theology. He was almost as important to them as Martin Luther's German translation of the Bible was. In fact, in describing George Vetter, it was said, a virtuous man who brought forth the Psalms of David into the Bohemian language beneath French melodies, and who moreover also performed as much good among the United Brethren as he attempted to accomplish in German poetry. So, with high delight, let us unite. The uh, person who's going to be walk- talking with me today and walking with me is Pastor Mark Smith. How you doing, Mark? Hey, Tom. Pretty good. Did you notice that the translator for the uh, the lyrics Martin is Martin Franzman? Yeah. You remember did you him. ever have him as a professor? Because I did. No, I just missed him. I just missed him by about a year. Let's see. Uh, I, I entered the seminary, I think, about a year or so after he, uh, he, died he in went, over to, went over to England, I think. Didn't he go over to England? He died in 1976. Now, he died in 1976, yes, right. And first appeared, believe it or not, this hymn, in the Missouri Synod's Worship Supplement of 1969. Mm -hmm. You know, there was a worship supplement that we kind of followed. I remember that. A lot of hymns in it. Some of them were now put into the new hymnal, Mm -hmm. and this is one of them. With high delight, let us unite. So, how are things going in your congregation, by the way, before we get going? Just fine. Yes, I'm enjoying it. Uh, I'm enjoying uh, serving the the good people out at uh, St. Paul's in, in Wildwood. And in case somebody wants to hear your sermons, etc., when are your worship services? Worship service at 8.30 and then again at uh, 10.30. And is there a Bible study between? Yes, we are studying uh, Beloved uh, Heroes of faith. And in fact, uh, this Sunday we'll be looking at uh, Joseph and his brothers. You know, oh. his brothers that sold him into slavery in Egypt, yes. So uh, last Sunday you spoke about Tom Baker? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I knew you'd laugh yes, at that. Yes, I sure one. did. I talked, we talked about Doubting Thomas, yes. Doubting Thomas, that's right. Yes. Yeah. I, I tell you, when I was born, my parents looked at me. 
and they doubted. They had their doubts. <laughs> so they called me Thomas. <laughs> yeah, just think about doubting Thomas. You know, he, he was supposed to have uh, had a big part in building the church at um, in India, and then he was finally martyred for the faith there in India. In fact, his, his symbol, uh, the symbol for Thomas, is a square edge and a spear, because the square edge indicates that he... I think he had a part in actually building a church building over there for the church. And then, uh, and then of course, the spear is how he was martyred. Yes. In fact, were not all the apostles except for John martyred? Yes, that's, that's what uh, tradition I- indicates, yes. Exactly. Yeah, he was on the island of Patmos. Yeah, John, that- would live to be, John lived to be a fairly elderly man. Yes. When he wrote, when he wrote Revelation, you know, in, in the in the epistle for this Sunday, he talks, he addresses his listeners, "My little children," and you can just you can just kind of envision this saintly, elderly old man uh, writing to his uh, to his listeners. Yes, yeah, because they were considered to be children of the apostles, since he had brought them into the faith, probably by baptism. And and then continued them in the faith, uh, helping them to grow, which is the purpose of a pastor, Mm -hmm. is to help people grow. I've often said, um, let's say really good professors know about 80% of the Bible. I know maybe 50 to 60%, laity around 20%. So that's how I, I think of things in talking to laity of giving them insight uh, did you know when Thomas said, "My Lord and my God, that was the first time that an apostle had referred to Jesus as God? Yes. And did you know this? We would not, we would not even know that Jesus was nailed to the cross if it weren't for uh, two things. Thomas's referring to the nail prints in his hands and feet. And uh, also now, Psalm 22 in the Old Testament talks about they have pierced my hands and feet. But but doubting Thomas, that's the only reference to the nail prints in the whole New Testament. Oh, I was unaware of that. Yeah, Yeah, except for the historical account of the crucifixion where they nailed him. No, I don't think there's any reference to, to nails. In fact, uh, for many years there was a debate. Uh, some some claimed that the Romans did not nail their crucifixion victims to the cross; that they tied them to the cross. But uh, as I was telling the people out at St. Paul's, that was that controversy was settled in 1968 when they unearthed a crucifixion victim in right. north northeastern Jerusalem, and they found a big spike through his uh, heel. Yeah, the other important thing on that uh, lesson, that's when Jesus appeared to the disciples. And remember, it says he breathed on them. Yes. Now, well, it's like we we profess in in the creed that the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. Right. That word breathe is found only in one other place in the Bible, in the Greek translation of the Old Testament, where it says, and God breathed into Adam, mm-hmm. the breath of life. Yeah, So right. that's really kind of an interesting uh, connection. Well, that's well, why we call, we, we call it inspiration. 
Inspiration. Inspiration. You know the 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 right right. The the scriptures are inspired. God breathed. Okay. Well, it's a short hymn. We're not going to get to it if we don't start. Okay. So stanza one of "With High Delight Let Us Unite." With high delight let us unite in songs of great jubilation. Ye pure in heart, all bear your part. Sing Jesus Christ, our salvation. To set us free, forever he is risen and sends to all earth's ends good news to save every nation. Now, this is an author, George Vedder, kind of coming out of a Reformed thinking with Calvin, but I don't see anything really in error in this first verse, do you? No, I really don't. Um, uh, it's probably been Lutheranized by us. <laughs> no, it, it really wasn't. Is this his um, original? Well, Franzman had a part in translating. I'm sure. I'm sure Martin Franzman in the translation cleaned up anything that remains from Calvin's Institutes. Well, there is no evidence of that that uh, this was actually many verses longer than we have here. And um, it came down to three stanzas, so we'd have to do a study on the other stanzas. Yeah. But there's some interesting things. It talks about pure in heart, all bear your part. Now, who is pure? Well, in Christ, we're all pure, but only in Christ. Yes. Uh, he's From God's perspective now, that we've been covered with Christ's robe of righteousness by his death on the cross and by our baptism, now when, as from God's perspective, we're, we're, we're saints. Yeah, there's no doubt that every other religion in the world, if you are not pure, it means that you're a sinner. But in Christianity, you can still be a sinner and be pure because God does two things. You mentioned one of them, and that is the robe of righteousness that is put on you, but also the forgiveness of sins so that you are no longer under the curse of sin. That's right. In fact, um, when Jesus says to the disciples, whosoever sins you forgive, they're forgiven. There are a number of words for forgive. And I looked this one up, and it really means to forgive here, to send away. Hmm. In other words, your sins are sent away. Where are they sent to? Well, I think of another section of Scripture that talks about uh, our, our sins are as far away as the east is from the west. Right. But where are they sent to? Well, they're sent to the cross with Excellent. our Lord Jesus. Yeah, exactly. he took them with him to the, to the cross. Yes. And that that's a, a concept of forgive I hadn't really thought about before, that when a pastor forgives sins upon this your confession, they are placed on the cross with Jesus. And that's why God the Father forsook his son, because he had the sins of the whole world on his own shoulders. Very interesting to know that. Yes, and uh, 
Isn't that possibly does that tie? Wouldn't you think that ties in with the fact that just as Moses uh, put a servant a serpent on the pole, and as people looked on that, that ser- I you know I think of the serpent as the as like the the foreshadowing of the epitome of sin that covered Christ for us. Yes, yeah, that's why I think a serpent was put on there because. Jesus was the greatest sinner of the world when he was right. on the cross. Right. Otherwise, how can you explain the fact that a, a serpent on a pole would be a foreshadowing of the Savior on the cross? Yes. Christ became, he became the epitome of sin for us. He was covered not, not, ju- not just with, for you and my sin, but the sins of the whole world and the sins of all time. The very first sin of Adam and Eve, and the very last sin that will be committed on the day when he comes again. All of those sins were were placed upon him. He atoned for every last one of them. It is finished. In fact, the verse actually says that, that we're looking at. Mm -hmm. Where's that, Tom? Is risen and sends to all earth's ends. Good news to save every nation. That's right. So that's really kind of important. I'll be doing the Sunday school lesson on issues, etc., today. And guess what the lesson is? Jonah. Oh, that's a great man. I love the I love the prophet Jonah. I I love that story. It's short, but it's just I just love it. He, you know, Jonah reminds me of myself. <laughs> When were you swallowed by a fish? No, it's not that. It's just, uh, you know, he reminds, I think he reminds us all of of, the, of our old Adam. You know, the yeah. old Adam was really evident in Jonah. He didn't, want, he didn't want to have anything to do with those Ninevites. He says, I, there's no way I want to go preach to them. Well, they were Assyrians who were enemies of Israel. That's right, bitter enemies. They, yeah. I, I refer to them. I call them the Nazis of the of the Old Testament. They were, you know, they were very materialistic. They would build mounds of uh, of skulls, human skulls of their enemies. Uh, they were just, you know, very yes, very militaristic and hateful people. And it, then, and 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 uh, Israel just despised them, and Jonah himself did. One of the interesting things about the Nazis is during that uh, big trial that they had is a number of the Nazis were converted to Christianity by Christian pastors. And that's how Jonah was taken into a city he didn't want to go to. And yet by preaching the word of God, many were converted. Yes. And he was not happy with that. No. In fact, I I picture him when he went through that city, just very unenthusiastic, very unenthusiastic, just merely 40 more days and Nineveh will be destroyed. 40 more days and Nineveh, you know, just, you know, I I picture him as being just not enthusiastic about the message at all. And yet and yet that word had power to bring uh, the city to its knees. That's a real comfort to pastors who sometimes give unenthusiastic sermons. Yes. If the word of God is in there, it's going to have an effect. That's right. It does not return to him empty. I had a situation once in my congregation, one of them, that a woman had been beaten up by some individuals, worse than that, and she didn't come to talk to me about it. And finally, 
her mother insisted that she come and talk and she did. And I asked her, you know, why she hadn't come earlier. And she says, well, you go and talk to them and maybe get them to repent and they'd go to heaven and I want them to go to hell. <laughs> wow. <laughs> There's Jonah. Yeah. Yeah. Right there. That's right. Yeah. So that was interesting. All right. I'll read stanza two. Okay. True God, he first from death has burst, forth into life all subduing. His enemy doth vanquish lie. His death has been death's undoing. And yours shall be like victory, or death and grave. Seth he who gave his life for us, life renewing. Wow, there are some great con comments there. Great lines. I love that line. I love that line. His death has been death's undoing. Isn't that, isn't that a great line? How do you explain that? Well, his death, his death put an end to, uh, to eternal death for us. Well said. Well said. It is yes, finished. There's two kinds of death. Everyone experiences the mortal death, as did Jesus where there's a separation of the spirit from the body. But then there's that second death the Bible talks about, eternal hell. And that's what has been vanquished for us because of what Jesus did. That's right. So, sing what Jesus. Other, what other good lines, Tom? What other good lines in that, in that second stanza? Well, the one that's nice, he has risen to set us free forever. So what are we free from? From sin, death, and the devil. Yes. In fact, a couple of times Jesus talks about that he came to destroy the works of the devil. And um, in that Passion movie, uh, the opening scene is Jesus standing on a serpent in a garden. Yes. Crushing the head of the serpent, right. Exactly, which is the promise of Genesis 3.15, that though he, Jesus, will be wounded, he will also crush the head of the serpent, which he does at the cross. Yeah. And, you know, I always point out to the people, hey, uh, that, you know, what's, well, I love, I've always loved the symbol or the, the logo, I think it's the seal of uh, Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, which has the cross, and beneath that cross is the head of the serpent. Really? Yeah. Haven't you ever seen that seal? I'm sure I have. I haven't yeah. remembered it, though, as you it's have. It's got the cross. It's got the cross, and at the, foot, at the foot of that cross, underneath, at the bottom of that cross, is the head of the serpent, crushed yeah. by Jesus and his crucifixion. Oh, that's excellent. Yes. Well, and, and what's and what's the name of the hill upon which he was crucified? Golgotha. Exactly. What does that mean? Well, Calvary. The hill of the skull. Yes. From Isn't Calvary. That interesting? Yeah. That's the uh, other translation. Right. And it used to be the well, it was the garbage dump at that time. Right. For Jerusalem. And it was outside the city of Jerusalem, as the Bible says. Right. Okay, stanza three, please. Okay, let's see. Let praises ring 
give thanks and bring to Christ our Lord adoration. His honor speed by word and deed to every land, every nation. So shall his love give us above from misery and death set free all joy and full consolation. So this is really a pretty good hymn that one could also use at funerals? Oh, of course, yes. Because it really gives the aspect that God from above has set us free from misery and also from death. And yes. so we're able to have full consolation. Consolation yeah. is just another word for comfort. Right. His death has been death's undoing. We say that in the face, in the face of uh, the caskets of our loved ones and, and the open grave. His death has, beth, has been death's undoing. Yes. And so the whole hymn is talking about that we ought to be giving praises by our thanksgiving and to Christ our Lord adoration. Now, explain this line. His honor speed by word and deed. Well, uh, uh, of course, we, we, we spread the gospel by word, and we live out our faith in what we do by yes. helping others. And that, how does that speed his honor? Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father that's in heaven. Excellent verse. That's a great verse to remember that talks exactly about this. Our goal is always to give honor to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we give that honor by speaking the word and then doing fruit of the Holy Spirit that people can recognize too as being very odd in this day and age. Yeah, they shall know they they shall know you by your works. Yes, and and those works are often in contradiction to the way the world thinks. Right. I mean, we're living in a country right now that just does not like Christians because of our morality on the basis of the Bible and because of our saying that Jesus is the only way to the Father the only way to salvation. Yeah, what is it now? Did you hear the did you hear the uh uh the the percentage just recently I heard this that what it's less it's now less than 50% of the of the population uh claims to believe. No, Have you I heard haven't that? heard that. No. Yeah, I heard it I heard it in the news just recently. It's it's uh it's at its lowest I think in in a long time. Less than 50% of the population. Well, I would question what they mean by the word believe. Either that or less than 50% of the population goes to church. It's something like that. Well, that's a huge difference. Yeah. In this day and age, I know a lot of friends of mine that are not going to church because of the virus. Mm -hmm. So that's no big a deal. Yeah. Um, no, it, it's, it's more sobering. I don't know, Tom. It was very sobering to me when I heard it. I, I I can't remember what the exact, uh, what, but it was less than fifty percent. Yeah, did you get that out of a newspaper? 
No, I heard it uh, quoted on Fox News. Yeah, well, you, you know, broadcasts. Yeah, you really got to look at the source here. And I always ask the question, what do they mean by those words? Because that, that um, I, I, I know other things that even among nuns, they still, many of them believe. They just don't attend the church. You're talking about nuns. You're not talking about sisterhood. You're talking about people yes. that go, you don't go to church. Yeah, N-O-N-E-S, yes. Yeah. Well said. Yeah. You always have to specify that. Yeah, and so I'm just really hesitant to look at polls and things like that without a... In, in fact, there was a report from our own Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, that a number of congregations now have regained the number coming in attendance each Sunday that had occurred prior to the virus hitting. So that's good news. That is good news. Well, it's like it's like uh, God reminded, is it Elijah? He said, I have, I have reserved 7,000 people that have not bowed the knee to Baal. Well said. Yeah, Elijah thought he was one of the last ones. He thought he was the last one, the last believer left. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt about that. You going to be using this hymn Sunday or not? Definitely. In fact, that's going to be the closing hymn. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm having it used also at the four churches I'm at. So it's going to be something, um, it's got a nice tune, and the fact that it's translated by Martin Fransman means the words are really appropriate. Right. Okay, well, thank you very much. That was Pastor Mark Smith. I'm Tom Baker. Next week, we'll be looking at the hymn assigned for the following Sunday in Easter. Uh, tomorrow will be our last broadcast on the book of Revelation and the seven churches in Revelation. We're going to be taking a look at the last church. And what does it have to say about our churches today? So join me tomorrow. Until then, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.